All righty. We, we've been looking at the seed and inheritance, the inheritance of, our, of Christ, our inheritance in Christ or with Christ, joint heirs together with him. That's where our inheritance is at, is in him, through him and by him. So in him, we inherit the blessing. All the blessings of God are given to him. So when we look at all the blessings of God, we have to find them in Christ. If we find them separate from him, we're probably mistaken. May seem right, but it's probably not right. So all the blessings of God find their conclusion in him. And we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I mean, that's that's uh, an eternal search. You know, sometimes I, I want to search that out. And uh, that's what we are doing. When we come together, we share. When we get before the Lord, uh, however we do that, we're, we're searching out the eternal blessing of God that we have right now in Christ. We have it now, and we have it eternally. So we have what he has received and given unto us. That's what we have. Well, in particular, when you go back in the Old Testament and you look at the inheritance of the firstborn, and we've made a, a lot to do with the firstborn, in this study, the firstborn from the dead. If you look at the inheritance of the firstborn in Deuteronomy, chapter 21, just, just for reference, uh, verse, let's see, Deuteronomy 21 and verse 16. It says, when that man assigns his inheritance to his sons, he must not appoint the son of the beloved wife as the firstborn over the son of the unloved wife. Instead, he must acknowledge the firstborn, the son of his unloved wife, by giving him a double portion of all that he has. For that son is the first fruits of his father's strength, the right of the firstborn belongs to him. And if you study out firstborn in the Old Testament, you will find out that the firstborn of Israel was given unto God. God received the firstborn unto himself. And then in one place, that law of the firstborn moved to the Levite, to the Levitical priesthood. So the Levitical priesthood became as the firstborn of Israel unto the Lord in one place. But but another place, he says, Israel is my son, even my what? Firstborn. And we've dealt with that through this sharing the, that, that they're God's firstborn. And how were they firstborn? In Isaac shall thy seed be called. So they were firstborn in Isaac. Just to catch us up, Isaac in type and shadow was raised from the dead. He, you know, he wasn't literally raised from the dead, but in type and shadow, 
The book of Hebrews says in, in that Abraham received him as if receiving him back from the dead or receive, you know, so Israel was blessed with all the blessing of Isaac. So all the blessing of Isaac flowed unto Israel because Isaac was in type and shadow like unto the headship of Christ. That's when you when you go there and look, the types and shadows are are they're to me they're not uh what's the word? They're not mistakable. You can't change them. That's what they are. They declare him all the way through the old testament. When you come into the priesthood, you come into the Levitical priesthood, and you see there in Aaron the type and shadow of Christ as the high priest. You know, Aaron and the Levites are speaking, the high priest is speaking to Christ. And then out of the Levites, you get a priesthood. Okay. When you come into, you, you know, and, and just to, to think on this for a moment, and we're going to move on into some scripture in Hebrews. When you see the Levitical priesthood in the, high, in the Old Testament, a lot of that is centered around the tabernacle of Moses. Okay, so around the tabernacle of Moses, and what is the priesthood, what is the, the high priest doing? He's entering into the presence of God. There's a per perpetual annual feast where the priest would enter into the presence of God for the blood of the assembly. And the priest would bear up on his shoulders, upon his heart. I believe the shoulders may spring, may speak of his strength. Okay. And his heart speaks of his love, right? So he puts Israel upon his breastplate, all the tribes, 12 tribes of Israel, all the stones of Israel, and he goes into the presence of God, presenting in himself all of Israel, the whole body, okay? That's in the priesthood, the Old Testament priesthood. And all that is access you know, access unto God, speaking of access unto God, well, you know, when you read about it, that they could not, in fact, enter into the presence of God. Only the high priest once a year, carrying the blood of an animal and perpetuating that offering over and over again, but that high priest could never enter into the presence of God and stay. He had to enter in, come out. <laughs> And you couldn't go in there with him. But but in type and shadow, he carried the Israelite, the church at that time, on his shoulder and on his chest. Carried him in before the Lord. So, so, so the whole tabernacle of Moses centered around the priesthood and the, and the law. We look at it. Well, when we move to... The kingship of David and Solomon, what, what's the picture? You know, of course, we dealt with this one of the sharings of David, the king, conquering all the enemies of Israel, subduing the enemies and, and bringing forth the kingdom. But in Solomon, when you see the kingdom and you, you see the temple, right, so what comes into view in, in, the, in Solomon is the temple. So the king comes into view with the temple. 
And all of Israel is under the authority of the king. That's what makes them a kingdom. So you could say they had access of God into the high priest by the high priest, and then they came into the authority of it by the king. So they were all they were living unto God, so to speak, in the priest and the king. You could say, and type and shadow. And what you'll find unique in the priest and the king, and, and even in some of the prophets, but we're going to deal with the priest and the king. The anointing was upon the priest and the king. So the anointing of God, and he and he gave a double portion. If you remember, he gives a double portion to the firstborn. So you can look at the lineage of the firstborn, how the firstborn is dealt with in the Old Testament, the first fruits, firstborn. Both of them are similar or the same. So when you come over to Hebrews, and we're going to read where we were last week, and we're going to continue on, but Hebrews chapter 5 says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he, he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he was feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered in being made perfect. And that word made perfect means to bring to an end, to complete, to perfect. And being made perfect, he, be, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, then jump down to Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7, verse 11. Hebrews 7, 11 says, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law, for he of whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the order. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testified, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
For there's a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God, and inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest. For these priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, when we read about Melchizedek, it's probably worth our effort to turn back to Genesis 14. Because Genesis 14 gives an account of Melchizedek. Not a big account, but an account. And Genesis 14, verse 17, it says of Melchizedek, or you can start at verse 17. It goes on and says, And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Kedalaram. I probably missed that bad, but and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Shaviv, which is the king's dale. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hands, and he gave him tithes of all. Now, what you see here in Melchizedek that's unique, three things I want you to see, maybe four. <laughs> Melchizedek is king of Salem. In, in, the, in, in Hebrews, it tells you that he's a king of righteousness and king of peace. And he's priest of the Most High God. So what does that mean? He's priest of the Most High God. He's king of Salem. He's, he's king of peace. What does all this mean? Well, when I look at this, this is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is speaking of the eternal priesthood of Christ. That's what this is speaking of. He has an unchangeable eternal priesthood. And as priest of the Most High God, he's serving bread and wine. What does Melchizedek come out and serve? Bread and wine. And he comes out and blesses Abraham. So the priest blesses the greater, you could say, bless the lesser. See, that's, that's the relationship we have with Christ. The greater, which is him, is blessing the lesser. What does he bless us with? Bread and wine. What's bread and wine symbolic of? His body, eat my flesh and drink my blood, and his life. So Melchizedek comes out and gives Abraham bread and wine. Before, before Abraham, before all this goes on in Abraham of, of, of the producing of Israel and so on and so forth. Now, I don't know, I, I don't know if Isaac had been born yet or not, so I want, don't want to misspeak. But this is in advance of everything coming together that comes together of Abraham, 
that Melchizedek is set before him as a blesser of bread and wine. And he's a priest of the Most High God. So, so God is saying something here. He's a king and a priest. Not just a priest, but he's a king and a priest. So he's he has a double portion, you could say. A twofold anointing. Okay? And, and in this, he's offering up bread and wine. And I, and I just keep hearing in my heart, eat my flesh and drink my blood. That the priest is all is ministering to us life. Now, in Hebrews 7, and we read part of Hebrews 7, it speaks of, of Melchizedek here, and I have to find the exact verse, but going back to Hebrews 7, verse 1, actually. This, Hebrews 7, verse 1 says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. Of God the Most High, he met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, and Abraham apportioned to him a tenth of everything, First, his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So, so in this Melchizedek, Scripture says his name means king of Salem and king of righteousness. King of righteousness, king of peace, without father, our mother genealogy without beginning of days or end of life. Like the Son of God, he remains a priest for all time. So this Melchizedek setting forth, I believe, the covenant in Christ, that, that God himself was going to bless us with bread and wine. He was going to prepare a body that through the covenant that was coming, in Abraham, the covenant that was coming in Moses, the covenant that was coming in David, God was going to prepare himself a body and offer up that body, and we were going to eat of that body and drink into that life. That that's the salvation of the priesthood, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And then when you look at the order of the priest, what, what's unique about the high priest and the priesthood? When, when, when the whole thing's established, what happens? I, I want to jump over to a certain part, but I want to put this out here. Well, if I go into Exodus, if I go into Exodus, chapter, let's see here, 30. You start reading around 22, Exodus 30, 22. It says here, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take thou also unto thee principal spices of pure mirror, 500 shekels, and of sweet cinnamon half so much, even 250 shekels, and a sweet calamus, 250 shekels, and of cassia, 500 shekels, after the shekel of the sanctuary, and of oil, olive, and hen. And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, 
an ointment compound after the art of apothecary. It shall be an holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle, the congregation therewith, and the ark of the testimony, and the table and all its vessels, and the candlestick and his vessels, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its vessels, and the laver in his feet. And thou shalt sanctify them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever toucheth them shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generation. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured, neither shall you make any other like it. After the composition of it, it is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. So, so here's the order of the priesthood. They are anointed of God with a very particular oil that has a very particular fragrance. Okay. Now, if I flip over, I'm wanting to, I'm deciding which scripture to go to first, but let's go to Matthew. Let's go to the book of Matthew 26 and 6. Then we're going to flip back to Psalms uh, 133, but let's read Matthew 26 6 and verse 6 first. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For the ointment might have been sold for so much and given to the poor. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she have wrought a good work upon me. For you have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she have poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman have done be told for a memorial of her. Now I wrote a note here, said, look at this. It is like the precious ointment. Here's where we're united, folks, is in his death. Okay? Turn to Psalms 133.1. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It is like, what's it like? The precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garment as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon Mount Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So what did Aaron do when he was anointed? He came in 
with the offering as the high priest. How's the ointment like, how's, how's brethren dwelling in unity like the ointment? You know, we quote this. Brethren dwell in unity like the ointment. We know that's speaking of the Spirit. But where did the Spirit get poured out upon the head? Who had the Spirit without measure? Who did John see coming up out of the water and the Holy Ghost coming down as a dove and lighting up on him? It was poured upon the head. And we are joined to him. There's the union. We are joined together with him. Where are we joined to him at? In death. We are baptized by one spirit into one body. We are baptized, Romans says, into his death. So he goes into death. And there's where we are joined. We are unified in the body of his death. Okay, we are brought to his death in order to come forth in his life. Because you can't come forth in his life without coming into his death. And so, so that union of the Spirit coming down upon the head, that anointing of the Spirit coming down upon the head and running down upon the garments is an offering unto death. Now, the church doesn't want to receive that offering. Many in the church refuse the offering unto death. But it is this offering unto death that releases us into the glorious life of Christ. That's if we could say the key to the door. We want to go into the door and have the life, but Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. You have to eat his flesh. You have to drink his blood. You have to partake of what the high priest has offered and he's offered his body unto death that he would bring the old man, the old man to death. That you and I would be unified together with him in death. And that he would come forth in you and I in life. And we would be raised up in his life. He living in us, we living in him. Now that's union. That's the union that came down upon the head because the union that came down upon the head, Jesus was anointed a Mary here for death. To go and bring this forth and that anointing works in you and I, that anointing of him works in you and I to bring forth this of Christ in you and me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's like the precious ointment that come down 
that was upon the head and came down upon the beard and went down to the garments. The anointing oil of God, it had a very particular fragrance. No other man had this fragrance. No, no one else except for the priesthood could wear this. Jesus came with a fragrance unto God that no man had ever come. You know, all, all the fragrances in the Old Testament, you know, the 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 offerings would be a sweet smelling fragrance unto the Lord because it was only in the in the body of Christ. What was that speaking of? It was only in the body of Christ that the old could be put away. And a new perfume, if you can hear it, a new aroma, a new smell could come forth, glory to God, and it would be the fragrance of life, the fragrance of his life, not the fragrance of stinking bodies, not the fragrance of the old man made better, but the fragrance of the life of Jesus Christ himself living in a many-membered man, and this many-membered man finding his life in Christ, having no life but him. Now, to me, that is the priesthood of Melchizedek. That is the priesthood of Christ. He come and shared bread and wine. Only this life can please God. See, he, he blessed Abraham with the greater. Only this life could please God. Only this life could remove sin. Only this life could bring you into the fullness. Amen. Glory to God. So here we come. Only this life can bring us in. There's no other life going to bring you into the fullness of God. There's no other life that has the fullness of God. Only he was anointed with the Spirit without measure. Glory to the Lamb of God. And in this work as high priest, he brings us into the very presence. He goes into the very presence. And if we can hear it comes back out like the high priest and shows himself to me and you that he's been accepted, that this is the acceptance of the Lord, and we are accepted in him. See, see, and this one never changes. This one doesn't have to do it again. There's not another high priest coming. And we become a priesthood of him. We become a fragrance of him. We begin to share bread and wine to the church, to his body, to the earth. We become a blesser of bread and wine as we eat his flesh and drink his blood. But we're not blessing our own personal if we if we can say it this way we're not blessing our own personal work we're blessing from the greater 
because we've been made partakers of him. We're eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and we're taking that of him, and we're distributing it, giving it to one another, to the earth. I can't save anybody in myself. I don't have the power to redeem anybody myself, but the power of his life that is redemption resides in me, and I can give that life. I can share that life because he's blessed us with his very own life. We live by his very own life. We're joined, if we hear it in Ephesians, you know, we talked about being joined into his death, but if we can hear it in Ephesians 2, he says we are quickened with him, made alive with him, made alive with him. What are we made alive there with his life? Raised with him. What are we raised with but by the power of his resurrection? Seated with him. What are we seated in but by the authority of his throne? Seated with him in heavenly places in Christ. And we begin to see this. We begin to know this. We begin to share this or share him. And it's like the precious ointment. That come down on Christ, the anointing of the Lord. The anointing of him working in you and I, the anointing of him as high priest. That's what's working in us. That's the anointing that's in us, is the anointing of the Lord. It's not necessarily our own personal anointings. It's his anointing working in us, his anointing as king and priest of the Most High God. That's what's working in us, the power of the Holy Ghost. He has shed forth this. He's poured this out upon his whole body. Glory to God. When you look at King David, I'm just going to bring this into view. I'm not going to turn to it, but if you go into Samuel, I believe we'll find in Samuel that he poured a whole horn of oil upon, upon David's head. The whole horn. He didn't give him a little bit. <laughs> it was speaking of the spirit without measure. So David just didn't get a little bit. He got the whole horn of oil. So he's made king to establish the kingdom, to bring the enemies to defeat, and bring Israel into peace and rest. Ain't that what we find in Solomon? Peace and rest. So the kingdom's at rest. The kingdom's at peace. And you could say that's through the work of David. You could say that's through the work of the cross. You could say that. 
So you could see in David, you could see in him the, the power of the work of the cross. And then in Solomon, you could see the rest of the Lord. All of Israel can minister this rest. Why? Because they were partaking of it. They can minister this wisdom because they were partaking of it. Not because they were the great one. The great one was the one on the throne. The great one was, Christ, was, was Solomon sitting on the throne filled with the wisdom of God. This is only a type and a shadow. And the greater than Solomon is dwelling in our hearts filled with the fullness of God himself, having all wisdom and all fullness and all knowledge of the Lord living in us, that we could know the things of God, that we could dwell in, we could exhibit that of God. Why? Because the one that it was given to, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. The one that it was declared to, if you flip over to Hebrews chapter 1, you can see who it's declared to. Hebrews 1. says, verse 5, or back up. <laughs> Start verse 1. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world to be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged their sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they, for unto which of the angels have he said, anytime thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirit and his ministers flames of fire. But unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness, is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, thy God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. <laughs> He's anointed king. The increase of his government has no end. We see Jesus made lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He's begotten from the dead, made high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Both priest and king, this kingdom. This kingdom of peace, of righteousness, has no 
end. And what's the joy of it? I believe it, it, we, we read it in one of these meetings that he would, the joy of the presence of God also found in the book of Psalms. The joy of God's presence. And John 17, Jesus said, glorify me with the glory I had with thee before the world was. Coming into the presence, made a high priest forever, made a king forever, seated in the throne of God, brought into the throne of God, coming back into the presence of the Father. That's the joy. That's the joy. But he didn't come back there empty-handed. He brought many sons to this same joy. He brought you and I there with him. He brought you and I there in him that we would know the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. We sing that song, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We know the joy of his presence. We know that. How do we know the joy of the presence of God? Because Christ entered back into the presence of God. He came out of God. Enter back into God, he was God, and he is God, and he entered back into that. But as, a, as the priest and king, he brought you and I in there with him. Now to behold his glory, to see his glory, and to manifest his glory into the earth, to declare him into the earth. And that's what we do. That's who we are. That's our purpose. People say sometimes, what's my purpose? To manifest him, to declare him. What greater purpose could you ever have than the Lord of glory would take up his abode in you and you would be the house of his life? Now, that's a purpose. I don't know that I wake up every day and say, Lord, let me see the purpose to be the house of your life. I don't know that that's hit me hard enough, that that's a purpose, that God's own divine life and expression would dwell in me, not that I could ever become it, but that he would share it with me, with you. That's the love of God. He shares himself. He doesn't hold anything back. He gives us of himself. He gives us freely of himself. That we have this rest. We have this peace. We come to know it. We come to enjoy it. You ever enjoy resting in God? Do you ever enjoy? Living in the peace of God? I do. I enjoy that. It's a joy. It passes natural understanding. Men look at it and they, they don't know what it is. This is the kingdom, honey. It's what Paul says, righteousness, peace 
and joy. Being in right standing with God. Coming to be accepted in the beloved. This is the kingdom of God. This is the authority of the king. This is what the king has done. Coming into the peace of Christ. See, I could see Solomon in my mind and all of Israel just partaking of his rest, of his peace, of his joy. That's what I can see. His rest, the rest of Solomon, just flowing through the nation of Israel. And in the Israelites living in it, partaking in it. Now, it was never the greatness of them, it was the greatness of the king. It became their greatness, but it was the greatness of the king. See, that's what Christ is. It, he becomes our greatness. If we have any greatness, let us boast in the Lord. If we boast, let us boast in the Lord. Anyway, I'll stop here tonight. The Lord bless you, love you, and it's just wonderful to share the Lord Jesus Christ with you. That's really wonderful. God bless you. Amen.